0: Here's what we know about the Christian walk, whether you're going through something today or not. The truth is, no matter what else they may have told you, the life of the Christian is one big battle. How many of you found that to be true? And the rest of you, the Lord will deal with the liars today. We're reminded constantly in the Scripture that we are either getting ready to go into a battle or you are in a battle, or you are possibly coming out of a battle. And how many know sometimes those things overlap? You can be going into one while you're coming out of another one. But any way you want to look at it, that is the construct of the Christian life. But there's something for us here this morning in the book of Romans. If you will meet me at chapter 5, Romans chapter 5, in this great epistle, I I want us to examine it today and see what the Lord might... What the Lord might be saying to us. But let me pray first, okay? Father, I just thank you for the truth of your word. It is still a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And we just say today, Lord Jesus, we need you. We need you more than we ever have before. And so we bless you for your presence in this place. We thank you that you are a holy God as we sang about at the beginning of this service today. And so Lord, I pray that from the lips of the speaker to the ears of the hearer today, that Holy Spirit, you will do your dynamic work and bring the life of the Word of God to us today. For we ask it in Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Romans chapter 5, at the, right at the beginning of verse 1. And the first word that we're going to see in this passage is, therefore, therefore. Well, obviously, if we're starting with therefore, something has been said before this point, in the first four chapters. And when Paul says, therefore, he is preparing to draw together the two key truths which have occupied his attention in the first four chapters of this book that we're looking at. He's drawing together the two key truths which he says are this. Number one, if you're taking notes, he says key truth number one is the need for justification by God justification to be to be made right in God's sight some people have said it's just as if I've never sinned to be made right in the sight of God to be justified how many are thankful you are justified today He says, number one, and he does this, Romans 1, verse 8 through chapter 3, verse 20, is where he talks about the need. The key truth is the need for justification by God. And the other key truth he is saying, connecting this therefore together, is the means of justification, which is by faith which he illuminates for us in Romans 3:21 through Romans 4:25. So Paul says this, if you're with me there at Romans chapter 5 verse 1, read along with me, therefore having been justified by faith, we have what with God? Peace. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we exult or we praise or we worship or we boast in hope of the glory of God. When I look at this, at the first part, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. And I look at the, 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 the latter part of the second verse which says, and we exult in that. What Paul reminds us is that our worship always has to go back to God. Let me try it over here. Our worship always has to go back to God. Thank you. You're awake. Always going back to what God has done for us. Isn't it a blessing, church, that through every trial and battle, over every mountain, everything we've gone through, God has taken you through. Is there an amen in the house today? I think the testimony of every one of us in this room would sound very much like that old song which says, We've come this far by faith, leaning on the Lord. Whose testimony is that today? And He has carried you through. But how do we look at our trials and struggles and turn them into praise? Well, Paul is talking, what what Paul is talking about here is what God has done, that our praise is constantly going back to what God has done for us. When Paul says, Therefore, we have been justified by faith. That is the grand doctrine of Christianity. That's the grand doctrine. Paul is saying that the apex of our praise is this huge theological phrase which basically says this. When you are justified by faith, and don't miss this next part, when you are justified by faith, he says, we have peace with God. So many times... We hear the invitation for people to come to Jesus and he'll help you with your problems. Or come to Jesus and he will bless you. Come to Jesus and he will prosper you. Come to Jesus, he will do this for you. He'll do that. Come to Jesus, he'll start working on your family. Can I just tell you the bottom line today is come to Jesus and you'll have peace with God. That is the ultimate. That is Christianity. And you cannot take that away. And dear friend, if your witnessing and your evangelism doesn't have peace with God in it, then you are missing a key component. Come to Jesus and you have peace with God. Who is thankful today for peace with God? This is what Paul says is the bottom line. Justified through faith and you have peace with God. And I love what he says here. And he says, it is through our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ please understand this clearly this morning nothing happens between god and man unless it is through jesus christ paul will tell us later in romans in the 11th chapter he'll say for from him and through him and to him are all things hallelujah no other name no other name but Amen. yes sometimes christians get slammed for refusing ecumenicalism, which is when folks are, are saying, let's all, let's all get together and bring all of our religions together. Let me just tell you this. According to this passage, if Jesus is not the common denominator, then nothing works with God. God does everything through His Son. It's not through religion. It is through the name of Jesus it is Jesus that we exalt here today. It is Jesus that we worship. He is our King. There's no need to put all these religions on the stage and say, we have unity. There is nothing that comes to us from God unless it is through His Son, Jesus Christ. You want peace with God? It's through Jesus. You want to go to heaven? It's through Jesus Christ. You want to be saved? It's through Jesus Christ. There is no other name but that name. He is the common denominator, and I want you to lift praise to Him right now. The name of Jesus is stronger, bigger, higher than every other name. How do you get peace without Jesus? Many of our embassies are on alert right now around the world, and people are trying to find peace through negotiation and diplomacy. And some will even say that we should use some force, have a show of force, and ultimately would bring about peace. Can I just tell you something? There is no diplomacy. There is no negotiation. There is no force. There is no political party that can bring peace. Only Jesus can bring peace. And here's what Paul says in Romans chapter 5. The only way this happens is when you begin to realize that peace with God comes through justification by faith. Justification, Paul uses a forensic term, a law term, a court term. It's an announcement, it's a declaration. When God shows up and says, Now you are right with God, that's what justification is. And here's the good news this is such good news. And it happens immediately, the moment you give your heart to Jesus. When that moment comes, when the Holy Spirit has pricked your heart and convicted you of your sin and made you aware, there's this awareness that your life is not right with God, and you come to that moment and you say, I surrender myself to you, Jesus. I realize I'm on the wrong path. I want to be right with God. In that instant, you are justified by faith. Justification by faith is I put my faith in Jesus, and immediately you are justified. And God says, I look at you then as I look at my own son. And, dear one, that is something to praise God about. Let me tell you something it's not anything we've done. It's amazing to me that there are still people on this planet who somehow think by their goodness, by their righteousness, by all the good works that they do, that somehow they're going to earn their way into heaven or that they're going to be made right with God. But our reliance is on what Jesus has done for us on the cross of Calvary. Let's be clear about that today. How do I explain that? You are pleasing to God not by what you've done, but by what Jesus has done for you and trusting what Jesus has done for you. And I'm trying to find some nicer way of saying it, but it's just basically this. Sweetheart, you're not the star. Jesus is the star. We must understand that. And I don't care about all of those good works that you've done, that you've tried to earn it. I don't care if you sing in the choir. I don't care if you preach. I don't care if you teach a class, if you've authored books, if if you've written songs. The only thing that gets you accepted with God is when you accept his son, Jesus Christ, and the work that he has done for you. That's what makes you valuable, and that's what makes you accepted. That's what gives you peace with God. It's what Jesus has done for you. Can I get an amen to that today? Just trying to declare the truth in case anybody's confused about it. It's Jesus and all Jesus. I grew up in a time when there was no internet, no eBay, no Craigslist, no video games. Yes, we had television, black and white. When I was a kid, much of our entertainment was, some of our entertainment, I remember playing cars and trucks a lot and tearing up my folks yard, making my own little city there. But we also had baseball cards. Anybody remember baseball cards? Sometimes I wanted the bubble gum as much that was, came with it. Those of you who didn't do this, it always came with a little rectangle piece of bubble gum. Oh, that was great bubble gum. I wanted the bubble gum as much as I wanted the cards. How many are with me? My buddies and I would compare what cards we had and whether they were rookie cards or Whatever. The cards that didn't seem all that significant or if I didn't really know who that player was, we'd use those cards for other things like flipping them and playing silly little card games. Or how many of you remember what we really did with those cards is you would take something and you would attach it to the spokes of your bicycle, the wheel of your bicycle. And you use what? Clothespins to do it. Does anybody remember what a clothespin looks like? And why did we do that? We put that because it made this great noise and everybody could hear us coming down the street. That's how we turned our bicycle into a motorcycle. (laughs) Our Schwinn became a Harley. Those were the Harleys of the 60s. Hello, can I get a witness? If you were lucky enough to have a Schwinn, I don't think I ever did. What's amazing to me is to see how much some of those cards are worth today. If you go check it out, you can on the internet. What some of the cards are worth today. I've discovered one card that had three players on it. It was called Future Stars. And it's valued in the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars. And let me tell you about the three guys on it. The first guy is Jeff Schneider. Played one year for the Baltimore Orioles. Pitched 11 games. Gave up 13 runs in the 11 games pitched. He was there one year and he's gone. Never heard of Schneider again. Second guy on this card is Bobby Bonner. Played four years, had eight RBIs, no home runs after playing in 60 games in four four years. Think about that. You play for four years of baseball and you barely bat in a run. But if today you ran into Bobby Bonner or Jeff Schneider, How do you look at them and say, hey, dude, your your card's worth like $1,000? Because here's the deal. That card has nothing to do with them. But it has everything to do with the third guy that is on that card. And the third guy on the card played in over 3,000 consecutive games. It's considered the greatest shortstop to ever play baseball for the Baltimore Orioles. And his name was? Cal Ripken Jr. And Cal Ripken being on that card made Schneider and Bonner worth a lot of money. Nobody got that card because of Schneider and Bonner. It was Cal Ripken who made that card valuable. And you know something? Where am I going with this? Your value is not you, it's who is in you that gives you value. Let's be really honest here this morning, starting with me, everyone in this room is Schneider and Bonner, right? But if it weren't for Jesus on that rookie card, we'd have no shot whatsoever. But listen to me, that's the reason why we can worship God. Because we have been justified, not for what we've done, but God came sending his only son into our lives, and now you've got Schneider and Bonner, but Jesus is on the card, and his presence changes everything. Jesus in your heart turns your life completely around. He's the one who gives you value. Bless his name forever. So because of what he has done, I can lift my hands during any song, whether I like it or not, whether it's my style or not my style. But because of what Jesus has done, I can say, oh God, I thank you. God, I'm right with you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to heaven. Thank you, Lord, that you saved me. Thank you, Lord, that you've delivered me. And that's what is wonderful about praise and worship. But guess what? Paul doesn't leave you there. He says there's a reality check to this. He says... If you're reading ahead with me in in chapter 5 of Romans, he says, you can sing all those great songs like we've come this far by faith. You can sing for every mountain that our choir sings so wonderfully well. But here's the reality and here's the truth. Sometimes you're sitting right here or, or you're standing in that choir singing for every mountain and you're grateful. But guess what? Sometimes you're singing that when you've not gotten through the problem yet or you're still sitting here. And you hear the choir sing for every mountain. What a great song it is. It inspires all of us. But sometimes you're still on the mountain getting beat up. And so Paul says the part that I have a problem with. Let's go on. Romans chapter 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we exult... In hope of the glory of God. And then he says in verse 3. And not only this. But we also exult in our tribulations. Really? Did I misread that? Okay he says "I, I want you to praise him that you are justified by faith. Got it. Good check. Got that part. I'm good with that. And I want you to worship him. While you're getting beat up i don't have that part i'm not good with that part exalt him in my tribulation i i'm used to praising him in church i'm used to i can go to church i get my church clothes on sunday morning i walk in i got this i compartmentalize i tell everybody i'm fine Everything's great, and then I can, because I, you know, get into the music, and that's great. And they get the guitars going, or the, the Hammond B three starts going, and I'm used to praising in that, because I, I can go in that environment, and I got that. I can do. That. I can even lift my hands. I can do that. I, I'm used to praising him in Bethesda. But what about Tuesday morning, praising him in tribulation, when it's all crashing in around you, or the middle of Wednesday night? Three o'clock in the morning when you think all hell's breaking loose and your mind can't go to sleep and shut down because of all the issues of life that you're... Praise Him then? Here's, here's what I could have gotten. If you would have said, and not only this, but we want you to get counseling during your tribulation because that brings about perseverance. I could have done that. But it doesn't say that. Or maybe not only this, but we want you to get a prayer partner during tribulation that will be a good help. It doesn't say any of that. What it does say is this. It says, you know what? Your first response to tribulation and trouble in your life is to worship Him first. Did you hear me? Do I need to speak up a little bit? Your first response to tribulation and trouble and conflict challenges in your life. Your first response is to worship him first. What? Shouldn't I get through every mountain before I do that? Paul says, no. I want you to praise him while you're going through every mountain. He says, I want you to do this because, because something is going to happen to you while you do this. He says, I know you know how to praise him because you're saved. But now I'm going to take praise to a whole new level. I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful in God there's always another level. Did you know none of us have arrived? No matter how cute you look, no matter how much you look like you got it all together, none of us have arrived. There's always someplace else in God that he wants to take you. From glory to glory, from grace to grace. I'm going to take you to a whole new level. And this new level is not just singing songs. This is a level which... Begins to allow you to praise. Listen to me. Not even like heaven praises. Heaven right now at the throne of God is hearing the songs like we sang this morning. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. They're singing, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and glory and dominion and riches forever. That's in heaven. Cherubim and seraphim, myriads of them worshiping God in heaven. But church, I believe... The song and the praise of earth is different than the praise of heaven because there is not a cherubim that is worshiping him that has marital problems. You're going to sleep on me today. Come on, you got to help me. Michael is not going, oh, my wife, my wife Angel, she's messing things up up here. I'm not going to be able to do my job. You never see that. You don't see Gabriel being sent on assignment and saying, God, I can't go. I got, I got family problems. Got my little angels who are turning into little demons. I got to take care of the little angel devil. No, you don't hear that. The Bible tells us they are not given in marriage. Jesus says that when he speaks about angels in heaven. But what happens is this. I think the difference between heaven worship and earth worship is that there is something in your words, something in your praise that gets the heart of God because you're not worshiping in a perfect environment. Are you hearing me this morning? I hope somebody's listening. You're not worshiping in a place where there's nothing but the glory of God. But somehow, church, in the midst of that, listen, discouraged heart, listen to me today. You have found a way to lift your hands even though the doctor's report wasn't good. You have found a way to worship Him even when things have gone crazy for you. You have found a way to worship Him with pain in your body. You have found a way to worship Him when everything seems chaotic. And God says, you found a way to worship Him and exalt Him in your tribulation. And you know what we realize? Get this. Number one, praise has nothing to do with music. Don't tell Pastor Brent, okay? (laughs) Praise has nothing to do with music. As good as music is, as wonderful as it is in this house, and we're thankful for it. It's an aid to us, and we're grateful for it. But that's not the foundation of praise. You want to know the truth? If we were to pull out the choir, pull out the band, take away the singers, they're all gone. Some of you would go, hey, man, I, I can't worship. There's, where's all the stuff? No. Yes, you can. Listen, you don't need any of this to worship him because that's not the focus of our worship. Does it help us? Yes. Is it encouraging? Yes. Is it all, all that stuff, and I love every, every bit of it, but it's not why we worship. We worship because we have a God that has saved us. We have a God that has changed us. We have a God that has redeemed us, and he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We worship Jesus. That's who we exalt. That's who we worship. And somebody in this house needs to lift a shout of praise today. Hallelujah to His name forever and ever. That's why it's not a music thing. It's a God thing. And I have a a little fondness for, for music. But that's not what it's about. It's about Him. That's what it's all about. Praising Him in your trials... Praising Him in your tribulation means you know something. That's why you can do it. Why do you think we give so many opportunities by saying, are you going through something at the end of a service and come to this altar and let's just worship Him together? Sometimes I see people, I I, I see the response in your heart. "Just, Just come and, does it? You know, it, it doesn't mean that you're confessing any big thing in front of anybody, or it means that you've never been. No, it doesn't mean that. You know what? I talk to lots of people who say, you know, Pastor, I'm just, I'm embarrassed to come to church because, you know, I think you know, people people know that I've kind of gotten off the track or they know what's happened. No, they don't. Do you really think they're thinking about that when they walk in here? Let me tell you the truth. Nobody knows what's happened. And if they do, what does it matter, what do you care? What does it matter? Is that enough to stop you from coming into the presence of Almighty God? I hate to tell you this, they're thinking about their own problems. Sweetie, they ain't thinking about you. I try to find real diplomatic ways of saying that, but I'm not real good with that part. No, just happy you're here. If you've messed up, you're in the best place possible. Get those hands up and worship the Lord if that's the situation for you. I love the reality of this. He's not just saying, you know, just suck it up and come on. No, you know what he's saying? He said, you know something that's happening to you in the midst of your trial. You know something. Paul says, you want character? You're not going to get that from a seminar, you're not going to get that from a book. You want character? He says in verse 3 of our chapter 5. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations. Why? Knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. And perseverance, proven character. And proven character, hope. He says, you want to know why you don't have any hope? And he's talking to you today. Talking to you. You know, so often I feel like when we're preaching that you're talking to a few hundred people. But you know what? We're talking to you. Everybody wants to deflect it on everybody else. Open your ears and listen. Yours. You wonder why you don't have any hope? It's Because you don't go back to the beginning and say, I'm going through something. But let me press through in worship even despite what I feel. He says, look at the steps. You may may go, I I don't know how to do that. I I don't know how that happens. I don't know how it happens either, but I don't have to know because his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. He says, this is the path to hope. I'm lining it out for you. Here is a path to hope. When I sit with somebody who has no hope in my office and I'm talking and counseling with someone, usually they're the ones who are sitting in the service doing nothing. There's usually minimal or zero effort on their part to press through and worship. Let me tell you something about the people who have hope. Does that mean everything's going great for them? Are they just the person who sees the glass half full? Off of No. Let me tell you about the person who has hope. They're like this. In the midst of everything crashing around them, they're saying, God, yes, it's a mess. I can't see any good anywhere. But I know this. You are still there. God, you are still worthy. God, I still trust you. I still believe that you can get me through this whole thing. And that's where God begins to show up. He responds to a heart like that. Oh, dear one, open your heart to him today. He responds to a heart like that. That's when God begins to do his work. How does that happen? Listen, God's not asking you to be inhuman. He's not saying, worship me and pretend nothing is wrong. No, no, he's, that's not God's heart. He says, I know your frame. He says, I know that you are but dust. That's what he says to David in the Psalms. And the verse that so many of us know from the book of Job is when Job cries out and he says, But the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. And what does he follow it with? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let me tell you why I love that verse. I love the reality, the authenticity of that verse before, which is verse 20. When you read where Job says the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, you're not not only reading about a man who is worshiping or praising or exalting in tribulation. What you have here is a person that is exalting in tribulation. but But understand this. His clothes are ripped up. His head has been shaved in mourning. And he's just gotten up off the ground. Let me show you the verse just before, the verse that we all know so well. It's in Job chapter 1, verse 20. Then Job arose... He tore his robe, he shaved his head, and he fell to the ground and worshiped. How many, don't raise your hand, how many in this room today are in that condition, in that shape? That the pain of your life, the the turmoil that's in your heart today is to the point you just want to tear the robe, shave the head in an act of mourning, and fall to the ground. But here's what he did. This is why Job is such an incredible example for us. But then immediately he says, but the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. And just think how rich that statement is in meaning. Just think of the heart that understands and has that kind of grasp on an almighty, sovereign God, that it's His to give, it's His to take away, and the position of my heart, the position of my being, and who I am simply has one response and one response only, and it's this, whatever the Lord does, blessed be the name of the Lord. You know what Job was showing us? He was showing us that you can be suffering. You can be human in your suffering. You can be real. You can be authentic. But somehow, even then in the midst of your suffering, God helps you to eke out some worship in the midst of it all. And even the Bible says, look at the patience of Job. And that word patience is the same word as perseverance. Look what God was doing in this man when he found a way. Oh, if you hear nothing else this morning, come away with the phrase, I'm going to find a way. I'm going to find a way to get in the presence of God. He found a way when everything was beginning to crash all around, around him. He finds a way to worship because we know something. And Some folks have walked into this place today and their worship was based upon what the choir sang or based upon if Pastor Brent sang the right song that pushed your buttons. And sometimes your worship has been based upon whether your week has been good or yesterday your Saturday was good or not. But we know this, no matter what, we can still lift our hands in worship. Can anybody say amen to that? We lift our hands in worship and say, you know what? We don't know the future, but you do, sovereign Lord. And maybe you're working some character in me in the midst of this. So what you need from me right now, Lord, is you don't need me to sit back in my chair with my arms crossed hoping that this message is for me. No, 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 that's not the position of the heart that you need from me. You don't need me sitting back going, I don't want to sing this song because I don't like this one or because I had a tough week. No, you're asking me, God, to take an extra step and to say not only praise for for what you have done for me, but praise because of what I'm going through and what you are doing in me in the process. And dear friend, you can still do it. You can still praise him in that trial. Let me explain it to you this way. In science... They talk about the caterpillar It goes and starts spinning a cocoon. And then it says when it gets to that place, they call the metamorphosis. It's an interesting word. It's actually the same word for transformation in the book of Romans chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, which says, be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. It's the same word as metamorphosis. Actually, the Greek word for transformed is metamorphoo, which is from where we get our word metamorphosis. It's the same thing. It's the thing that begins to happen, the, the transformation that starts to take place within the boundaries of a cocoon. And as this little squiggly thing starts to evolve and, and, and starts to turn t- into a butterfly, it starts to peck away because it discovered that its confines were no longer fit for it anymore because it discovered, I've got wings. And it's pecking away to make this hole. And here's what they said, which is so important. The hole that this little caterpillar is made. the hole is the exact diameter for this little butterfly to pass through. And as this thing which is transformed into this butterfly is trying to get out of its confinement, it struggles, and it struggles. The hole is so small, it struggles to get out. And then all of a sudden, when it gets out, you see these beautifully colored wings unfold, and immediately it goes into flight, and it's amazing. And then the caveat was thrown in there. Listen to me carefully. What if that hole was bigger? And they experimented with that. What if the hole was not a struggling hole to get out of? What if it was a little bit larger? And the answer came back. If the hole were larger and easier for it to get out of, it would be impossible for that butterfly to fly. For this reason... Inside, are you listening to me? Inside that cocoon, there's all this mucus and membrane and stuff that's on its wings from the transformation. And when it struggles to get through that hole, junk is coming off of it in the process of that struggle. Some of you are getting it. Some of you are not. And so when the struggle starts to happen and, and, and you're saying, God, I hate this. I can't believe you, I can't can't imagine why this. God goes, get those arms up because as you get that arm up, junk is coming off of you. And as you're you're trying to get those arms up and you realize, God, I can't stand this. I don't even know if I believe in you anymore. I'm in this situation and I don't like it. I I don't like her, I don't like him, I don't like anybody. So if God made that hole any bigger, and he made it so that you don't go through the struggle and through the trial, then you don't get any proven character. And if there are no trials, you don't get no perseverance. If there's no struggle, then you don't even know hope. Because you would just sit back and say, oh, God will take care of everything. But something in us, listen to me, something in us says, I'm getting through this thing this thing is tight, it stinks, it's difficult, but I'm getting through this thing, and I'm going to go ahead, and I'm going to get this arm up, and then I'm going to get this arm up. And all I know is that before this is over, it doesn't matter whether I'm in church, whether I'm driving on the road, whether I'm in tribulation, I will worship the Almighty God. Hallelujah. Come on, let's stand together, church. Somebody lift your hands and let's magnify the name of Jesus. Come on, magnify the name of Jesus. Oh, let's just express to the Lord, Lord, you're putting character in me. Come on, talk to the Lord this morning. Lord, you're putting hope in me. Lord, I believe you're doing something inside of me today. Yes, it's difficult. Yes, it's a struggle. Yes, it's, it's a problem. But I believe you're doing something. My hope is on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness today. And I'm gonna renew my trust and my faith and my hope in you. We do thank you that we are justified by faith, but God, we exalt in that today. But today, we also exalt in tribulation. We exalt while we're going through in the furnace. We exalt you in the valley. We exalt you in the darkness. We exalt you in the difficulties. Our hands are up, our praise is still coming, and we declare today, God, you're worthy. Oh, you're worthy, Lord. We may not know where the next check is coming from. We may not understand our financial difficulties. We may be reeling from the news we had this week. We don't know what's going to happen with our family. We don't know what's going to happen with our job. We don't know what's going to happen with our kids. We don't know what's going to happen with this economy. But we do know this, that we have a God who knows the beginning and the end. And there's nothing too hard for you. Paul says it this way. You want character? Then praise Him in tribulation. You want character? Praise Him in tribulation. Vicki Vaughn, our high school, uh, our school, uh, Bethesda Christian school principal who does world-class job for us developed a program called Honorable Character started right here Bethesda Christian School it's now gone to public schools and private schools uh, to my knowledge all around the country and possibly even in other places and it's a pretty simple principle I, I know there's much more to it than this but, but here's the idea instead of just putting a mark on your student on your child's report card or on their whatever that they, the report that comes home that says they were a bad boy today They were a bad girl, they they did this. We've had a tendency to do that in schools. We've had a tendency to say, well, okay, we expect them to be perfect when they walk in, and when they mess up, we'll give them a check mark. Let you know, your kid wasn't perfect today. But guess what? That was sort of just accentuating the negative. And something dawned upon Vicki Vaughn in the process of all of this. What if we caught them doing something good? What if we discovered that there was some incredible character in these precious Gifts of children that God has given us. Why don't we give them a mark for that? It's basically the principle that says, reward the behavior you want to see. Reward the behavior. When you see it, when you see the positive thing happen, and parents, I know that seems rare, when you see the positive thing happen, reward that behavior. And that's what, that's a very some oversimplified version of what this program is. And I think it's a stroke of brilliance that God gave Vicki Vaughn. But here's what I understand, even about our students, our fine students at Bethesda Christian School. When they display character, the kind of character that we want to see, it did not come without a struggle. They just didn't easily show diligence. They had to overcome slothfulness. They had to overcome laziness. They had to overcome something for that diligence to be demonstrated in them. Guess what? Character does not come without resistance. Character does not come without something pressing in on you on the other side. Paul says, you want character? Praise him in tribulation. Forget what you've read in all the other books. Read the book and see what Paul has to say about it. And Paul says, not only this, but we will exalt him in tribulation." When that happens, perseverance comes. When that happens, proven character comes. When that happens, hope comes. And it's hope that doesn't disappoint. So he makes it clear it's not music, it's not a choir, it's not church. It's finding a way. Say that finding a way. Say it again. Oh, how many of you today want to say, I want to find a way? I want to find a way to press through. I want to find a way to get, I'm going to find a way to get out of this. That hole is tiny. I'm not even sure I can get through that. But I'm going to find a way. It's finding a way when all those other things that we use as our aids are gone to say, but I can still lift my hands and say, God, you're faithful. God, you are good. I praise you, Lord Jesus. You know, here's what I know some of you need to take a new step today. You may be one of the ones who says, Pastor Dan, I've, I really haven't praised him. I haven't boasted in God. I have not exalted him in tribulation. I've given him thanks for blessings. I, I, I'm pretty good at that. I've worshipped him when I got on the other side of the mountain, but not while I'm in it. But today I want to find a way when that hole is narrow and it looks so impossible, I want to find a way to get Through that thing and say, "Take the junk off of me, God, as I'm in this struggle. Whatever it is that needs to fall off of me today, all the stuff that I've brought to this moment that has or has gotten attached to me in my journey to this moment, I I, want to shed that. Get the junk off of me as I just worship you in the midst of all this. And, And your next step needs to be what you haven't done, which is to exalt Him in tribulation. Some of you." Or at that point, some of us are not. I don't know about you, but I could stand for some more character in my life. How about anybody with me today? Anybody want some more perseverance? Oh, you're so quiet on me. Anybody want more hope? We could all take some more hope. Then you know what? Let's just lift our hands together. And I want you to say this after me. Let's just pray this prayer together. Jesus, Jesus, I praise you for what you have done. I am justified by faith. I have peace with God, but I also praise you right in the midst of my problem. In my tribulation, these hands still go up, and I know with my hands up the perseverance comes, character comes. Send hope, O God. I need you, God. I want to praise you in my tribulation, in my trial, in my difficulty. So here are my hands, an offering to you, and I praise you in Jesus' mighty name. Let's put those hands together and bless them right now.